Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show, bringing you and providing you news and commentary based on individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Also brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. We have terrific guests for today's show. As usual, on Monday, we're going to start off with Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current world events, including what's going on in Russia and China. We'll be talking about the COVID pandemic as well and vaccines. We'll also visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be comparing uh, Biden with uh, Calvin Coolidge. Interesting comparison. And Jim McDegg former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several new novels, will visit with Jim as well. It is January the 25th, and on this day in 1905, at the Premier Mine in Pretoria, South Africa, a 3,106-carat diamond was discovered during a routine inspection by the mine superintendent. It weighed 1.33 pounds and christened the Cullinan. It was the largest diamond ever found. Frederick Wells was 18 feet below the Earth's surface, and he spotted a flash of starlight embedded in the wall just above him. His discovery was presented to, on the same afternoon to Sir Thomas Cullinan, who owned the mine. Cullinan then sold the diamond to the Trousval Provincial Government, which presented the stone to Britain's King Edward VII as a birthday gift. Word that the diamond might be stolen in transit from Africa to London, Edward arranged to send a phony diamond aboard a steamship loaded with detectives as a diversionary tactic. While the decoy slowly made its way from Africa on the ship, the Cullinan was sent to England in a plain box. Edward entrusted this cutting of the diamond to Joseph Ashler, head of the Asher uh, Diamond Company of Amsterdam. He, he cut the diamond for the famous Excelsior Diamond, a 971-carat diamond found in 1893, studied the stone for six months before attempting the cut. On his first attempt, the steel blade broke, with no effect on the diamond. On the second attempt, the diamond shattered exactly as planned. Asher then fainted from nervous exhaustion. <laughs> Can you imagine? The Cullen was later cut into nine large diamond stones, about a hundred smaller ones, valued at millions of dollars, as uh, all told. The largest stone is called the Star of Africa One, or Cullinan One, at 530 carats. It's the largest cut. Fine quality colorless diamond in the world. The second star stone is the Star of Africa II, or Cullinan II, and it's 317 carats. Both of these stones, as well as the Cullinan III, are on display at the Tower of London with Britain's other crown jewels. The Cullinan I is mounted on the British Sovereign's royal scepter, while the Cullinan II sits in the imperial state crown. What a birthday gift, wasn't it? The uh, This diamond. Uh, interesting story. Well, uh, Saturday, we had the Florida Department of Health reported 136 new cases of COVID-19 in Collier County and no additional deaths. And on Sunday, only 123 new cases and no new deaths in Collier. So we're seeing the trend of new cases on a seven-day moving average going down. Uh, now, if you're over 65 and have a little patience, which many people are not demonstrating very much patience, but anyhow, you can get the vaccine. Pelican Bay, Publix, and beginning yesterday at 9 a.m., you can go to EventbriteCollierCountyCovidVaccines.Eventbrite.com. Uh, Let me read that again. EventBright.com. And the uh, appointments are today and then tomorrow and then Wednesday. And if you're eligible, if you're taking care of a healthcare worker, taking care of people over 65, or people over 65, older and older only, uh, uh, out of more than 4 million first shots of the Moderna vaccine, there were only 10 reports of serious allergic reactions, none of which were fatal, according to the surveillance data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They're very proud of these results. Well, I had a friend in great shape who had a mini-stroke three days after taking the vaccine. He's going to be okay. Was it causal? Well, there's no way of knowing, 
My point in all this in the, in the future, in this discussion we're about to have, is we each have to make an informed decision about what is best for each and every one of us, not the Department of Health, and uh, we all need to weigh the consequences. Now, brave legend Hank Aaron died at age 86. He was in good health. He's 86, is of course, advanced age, but irrespective, two weeks before that, he got a Moderna vaccine. He was excited uh, to demonstrate that uh, this was safe. Well, uh, he ended up uh, dying. We don't know if it's causal, again. But irrespective, there, anytime you put something new in your body, it's going to have a reaction of some sort, uh, unintended consequences. And we all need to consider that. So uh, now the Michael Osterholm, who's the director of Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, told the Atlantic Constitution, and that coincidentally, that they're going to occur at the same time period and the vaccine would occur, they have nothing to do with the vaccination any more than if they had, as you know, a ride in a car the day before. The car had nothing to do with it. He said, well, that's pretty defensive. He's saying, look, it had nothing to do with it. Well, how does he know? I don't think he does know. And I'm not suggesting it is causal. I'm not trying to uh, instill fear in folks about taking the vaccine. But make your own decisions about your body. By the way, uh, Hank Aaron had a great career, didn't he? He surpassed Babe Ruth's 714 home runs. He wasn't all juiced up either. I mean, he wasn't taking steroids as Barry Bonds was. So uh, he was a great human being and a great baseball player and a real trailblazer when it comes to professional baseball uh, and breaking the uh, color barrier in baseball. After a court challenge questioning the scientific support behind the claim that vaccines do not cause autism, the Centers for Disease Control has removed the headline from its website. The blockbuster change was made quietly last August and went largely unnoticed with no public announcement. The CDC vaccine autism page also goes to state in many different ways that the parents should not be concerned about vaccines and autism, and there is no link, while at the same time acknowledging a link cannot be ruled out. Again, just be careful with vaccines and anything that you put in your body that's foreign, uh, think it over carefully. By the way, Norway expressed increasing concern about the safety of the Pfizer vaccine on elderly people with serious underlying health conditions after raising an estimate of the number of people who died after receiving the inoculations. Uh, so um, now they're getting unsure about giving the inoculation to older folks. So again, weigh it carefully. Well, in December, President Joe Biden's unveiled his administration's goal of administering 100 million coronavirus vaccines in the first 100 days in office. It's a pretty lousy goal, considering about a have already received the vaccine shots for the coronavirus every day in the United States. A number of experts aren't impressed by Biden's so-called goal that simply continues the pace of vaccinations administered under the previous administration. Biden, after all, routinely denounced the Trump administration's overall handling of the coronavirus pandemic and challenged on it. He said, come on, man, give me a break. Well, <laughs> uh, in my view, uh, he probably just didn't even know the good success that President Trump had during his administration in Operation Warp Speed and the rollout of the vaccine. And by the way, people, I think, are a little impatient about all this, need to... Uh, Settle down, make the phone call, and make their appointments. Everybody's going to get a free vaccine or two if needed. Uh, Larry King died, CN talk show legend. He was 87 years of age. He had been hospitalized with COVID-19, by the way, but had many, many ailments. Actually, the year before it was publicized, he thought about committing suicide because of his health concerns. Irrespective, I have a little connection to Larry King. Yeah, he was married eight times to seven different women. We had uh, Carol Channing come to uh, our home. She stayed with us when she was performing a fundraiser for Gulf Shore Playhouse while I was board chairman. And uh, we had dinner together, and she was very close uh, friends with Larry King. She said that her role was to, uh, Larry King had asked her to visit with his ex-wives because he was concerned about all of them. And he wanted to make sure that they were okay. Carol Channing actually performed that duty for him. Carol Channing herself had such an interesting life herself. Uh, she was married for years. Uh, they had one child. And uh, the child apparently consummated their marriage only once, she said. 
but she lived with him, uh, her husband, for years. He did not allow her to communicate with anyone. Uh, you may recall that. Uh, she she did, had no press appearances or anything. Well, uh, she ended up divorcing him and marrying her childhood sweetheart, who we met. Uh, they had just gotten married. It was, they were so sweet together uh, late in their, uh, in their lives. But uh, she said that they only consummated I said, why did, you, why did you stay married to him for all those years? And she said, because he was my agent and he found me work. She was an amazing woman. She loved to work. When she stood up to perform in her late 80s, she looked like she shed 35 or 40 years right in front of us. It was just amazing how she performed. And even uh, Larry King. I, quite frankly, I admired Larry King so much. What a great interviewer he was. Unemotional and always uh, getting, asking the right questions without being uh, confronted. He was a terrific, uh, in my view, interviewer. Larry King. Coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more. By the way, uh, the show is brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. All right, coming up again, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in and you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And Love Letters right now is running through January the 31st. Two great uh, Broadway actors, Maureen Sullivan and William Parry, are starring in it. GulfShorePlayhouse.org is where you can get tickets. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman, again, uh, author of several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com, good for kids of all ages, including you and I. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Well, we've uh, started our last interviews for the last few months about 
COVID-19 and uh, in some places in the world just seems to be getting worse. Maybe you could tell us about it. Absolutely. So um, it's a problem all over the world right now where there seems to be a race between vaccinations versus this, these mutations. And mutations uh, clearly are worse. Uh, the British mutation is between 30 and 40 percent uh, more contagious and 30 and 40 percent more deadly. Mm. So, And it's also, and here's the, the kicker, which is becoming very problematic, it's also affecting younger people Mm. Uh, much more, and it seems to particularly also affect pregnant women. Mm. So um, it's creating really a very much of a race. I'm here in Israel, and we've done the best in the world in terms of vaccination. We have over 25% of the population has gotten one vaccine, 12% of the population is already fully vaccinated, mm. and 80% of the people above 60 have been vaccinated. Wow. However, our hospitals are basically at the point of uh, collapse because we have too many we have too many very sick people and too many people dying. Um, and that's primarily, it would seem, because, like I said, it's been hitting younger people now as well. So the number of people who are above 60 who are getting sick has dropped and expected to drop even more fully in the next week or so because you know now it'll start really hitting in the period of time when people have gotten the second vaccine. But in the meantime, it's hitting other parts of the population, and 50% of the cases in this country are now thought to be from the British variant, and they expect that to take over completely in the next couple of weeks. Mm. And then there's the South African variant, the Brazilian variant, and the Los Angeles variant. So it's very problematic. And Interesting. so it's this race between can you vaccinate enough people versus... Um, these new variants that are much worse. I mean, just to give you an idea, the U.S. has now vaccinated a little under 1% of the, well, fully vaccinated with two two shots because it seems it requires two shots to fully vaccinate to take effect. Great Britain is only 0.6%. They've made the strategic decision to only give uh, one vaccine right now to make it go further. Mm -hmm. But based on studies here in Israel, it shows while it is somewhat effective after day 14, the difference between one shot and two shots brings its effectiveness from 50 to 60 percent to 90 to 95 percent. See, this is a concerning conversation because you're talking about these variants that are spreading. I think you mentioned Los Angeles, so apparently we have one here in the United States. One in the United States, clearly Los Angeles is Los Angeles variant. No one really knows the full effect of it yet. As they fully studied the British one. First, people were taking poo-poo, no big deal. But there was a scientific study that actually came out of Oxford in the last day that showed it was literally between 30 and 35 percent uh, higher mortality and 30 and 35 percent uh, higher infectious rate. And that's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. If you combine the two, it's very problematic. Interesting, just watching our, I'm kind of being uh, somewhat uh, very uh, concerned about the local area. We're seeing the number of cases uh, dropping by the day. It was kind of a good indication Hospitals are doing fine here in our area, but apparently, I mean, we're right now protected from these variants, I guess. Right. And when, the, when the variants hit, that, that's the problem. In other words, the um, decision right now in the United States um, to close uh, air to South Africa and a number of other countries, like England, is also a smart idea to try to decrease the chances of more variants coming in. Here, they're closing the airports completely as of tonight which is sort of like closing the barn door after the horses have run away. Mm -hmm. It's better than nothing, but everyone realized this should have been done well, could, could have been done back in March because one of Israel's big advantages is that it really has only one point of port of entry. So it comes the back United to the States question, though, Mark, you, yeah, in Israel, is, you've taken uh, draconian measures in order to, to fight the virus, including shutdowns and uh, you know people not being able to go more than a short distance from their homes and so forth. Has that had any impact at all? Minimum impact, but it's also not being observed very carefully. Mm. What, you see ha what you see happen is um, is that the um, what you see happening right now is that during the first lockdown, it went down very quickly, and the reality was that everyone kept the first lockdown. By the time you get to the third lockdown, you have fatigue, and people don't follow, and people have to work. And you see people, almost impossible. The only thing that's you know, really happened is schools have closed. Mm -hmm. And that's 
important because I'm just seeing a notification I just got right now um, that the um, over 35 percent um, of the um, children have gotten have gotten COVID at this point. 35 percent, you uh, say? 35 percent. My now goodness. We're starting to see cases in hospitals of children also. So yes, I think we so, reported as of Friday we have 570 cases of children and or and teachers in our public schools. We have over. Uh, 50,000 kids in schools, and the average school has about uh, two or three cases. So we've seen nothing like that. And, and we have 80% of our kids in Collier County going to brick-and-mortar schools. So th- Interesting. But um, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what, what the differential is. I mean, I think part of the differential is Israeli schools are much more crowded, many more kids per classroom. Mm-hmm. The average classroom size in Israel is close to 40 my guess is if Collier County is like any other reasonably wealthy U.S. county, it's more like 20 to 23. Well, in fact, we have a state uh, amendment to the Constitution that we can't, ha- can't have more than 25 students in a classroom uh, at any right. one time. But then we also have social distancing and we have masking up and all that type of thing going on in the schools. So they are taking precautions. But I'm very pleased to see that in uh, the state of Florida, we even uh, all schools must be open now. The local school systems have a choice about whether kids actually go to school. Uh, and uh, right. here in Collier County, we set up a great system, which is the parents can decide. And now they've uh, 80% of the kids are going to school, which is, which is great because uh, learning distance learning is just not providing the education the kids need. No, certainly not anything below high school level. It's not really possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Absolutely. Kids, attention level via the computer screen, if it's not a game, is really very, very difficult. My conclusion of this discussion is that uh, we are having a little grace period here in Cuyahoga County, but uh, this COVID is being uh, mutating around the globe, and uh, we may just be in a, a, a brief respite right now. So we'll have to be right, ca- very much cautious. Right. Any, any place that it's down needs to be careful. And, and look, the key solution is get as many people in Cuyahoga County vaccinated as possible. That's really the answer. Mm-hmm. Because from what I've understood, um, the various mutations, the I think I just lost Mark Schulman. <laughs> I may have to call him back. In any event, uh, it's time for a commercial break, so we're going to take a little break, and I'll call Mark back and see if we can't get him back on the line. We're going to do uh, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show.
Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation. Fortunately, we got him back on the line with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Mark. So, Mark, there's, uh, we, we've seen uh, this dissident in Russia return. We've seen him jailed, and now we're seeing protests in Russia. Maybe you can bring us up to date what's going on. Absolutely. So, so he went back despite the fact that, that Putin had him poisoned. Um, but he wasn't going to be stopped. He went back, he was arrested, and supposedly he's going to be tried for, and sent to jail for 10 years for for what what exact... Oh, I, oh excuse me, I, I know what they're charging him with. He was on um, he was on probation for whatever reason. They, they arrested him previously for some demonstration. And of course, while he was in the hospital in Germany recuperating from the poisoning that he received from Putin, he didn't appear at first probation meetings. <laughs> So, Sounds like justice in the United I mean, you're States. You're talking about Kafkaesque. That's like the top of Kafkaesque type of situation. Yeah. And um, so, any rate, obviously, people came out in the streets more than they've come out in the streets in in a long time. I mean, some, they came out across Russia, not only in Moscow but the coldest parts of Siberia. Tens of thousands of people demonstrating. Um, we'll see. I mean, Putin. Is still popular, but he's not popular like he once was. Yep. And like everybody else, you stay around too long, it's time for a change. And uh, Well, I'll tell you what happens. Uh, typically, in the playbook of, of uh, leaders like Putin, what, what they do is they stir up, start doing some sword rattling around the world, creating some sort of problem, creating some... <laughs> Some war in order to divert the attention from from what's happening uh, in, domestically. Well, absolutely, but he's been doing that anyway on a regular basis. I mean, part of the issue with Putin is he's been um, been quite uh, involved in all sorts of places where he shouldn't be. Yeah, and of course, also in the United States. So we'll have to see what what happens. Uh, the uh, Biden administration decried the crackdown on the demonstrators, called for, for freeing of. If any, the, the key what people are suggesting at this point, which I think makes sense, is go after Putin's money. He doesn't care about sanctions against Russia. Go after his money, and uh, we'll see where that goes. Supposedly, he's one of the wealthiest people in the world, and yeah. he didn't get that by developing Windows. No, that's right. He did. You know, <laughs> I, I heard a true story, story uh, that uh, you may be aware that the uh, Patriot owner uh, met Putin. And uh, they were discussing, he said, Putin said, I, let me take a look at that ring. It was the, the uh, uh, Super Bowl ring. He, he showed it to Putin. Putin looked at it and put it in his pocket. <laughs> and he, he walked away with it. And, and, you know, of course, the owner of the Patriots was quite upset about this. And these, they said that there's nothing you can do about it. We're not going to make a fuss about it. Just forget about it. Yep. <laughs> That's what happens with punks. And that's what a dictator, you know, we need to remember that. That's exactly right. we need to remember that Putin is really a bad actor in the world. I mean, we're we're back to this strange world again. Yeah. You know, uh, let's move. I want to make sure we talk about China and what's going on, because really now they are uh, really getting aggressive uh, around the world, especially in Taiwan. Right. So the two parts to look at China. So number one, in Taiwan, they've really, they've incurred their their space. They've sent... uh, Ships out, especially as the United States right now. Today, I think it is, as a, um, a squadron, including an aircraft carrier in the South China Seas, the area that um, China claims its own, even though it's an international area. So the United States is being aggressively pushing back. Uh, interesting that one of the first actions of the Biden administration to do that, which I would not have bet on. So no. that, that's one of the first things they've done. That's interesting. Um, because what yeah, they've so actually that's on one hand, I, I think you'll we'll find that the Biden administration will be uh, much more focused in terms of their pushback on China. Uh, we'll see, though. Yeah, well, they, he um, signed it. Uh, Biden signed an executive order uh, uh, suspending uh, China's ability to be involved in our infrastructure here in the United States. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know what's what's up with that. They suspended for so they could look at it and review it. But I don't know why we want want China having. 
Because what they do is anything they install, of course, they have uh, access to information. They have listening, et cetera, right. But there's certain, again, I think, I think that goes just with, let's, let's look at everything that's t- taken place in the last uh, couple of years, see what's good and what's bad and what's in between. Mm. But there's clearly a, a serious pushback in terms of China, and I think we'll see a serious pushback in terms of China getting the rest of the world on board. I mean, that's really what Biden is. Um, he's spoken to most of the world leaders, the major world leaders, in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, his, uh, the ones he hasn't spoken to, his national security advisor has. So we'll see where that goes in terms of multilateralism. The other thing about China, which is ironic, sad, uh, I don't know how, I don't know which way to put it, but China was hoping to really gain, they developed a, a, a vaccine also against COVID. Mm-hmm. And they were hoping to gain points all over the world by selling their vaccine at a low rate and, and um, showing, look, we can, we're better than the United States. We can get you the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's not working out the way they had hoped because there really isn't a good scientific evidence how much the vaccine works. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it clearly works, does not work as well as the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine. And they're having a hard time delivering it. And in the end, what's creating is a lot of unhappy customers all over the world. They have been um, counting on the Chinese vaccine to, take, to solve their problems in these countries. In the end, the Chinese vaccine is, is failing. Mm. So that's you know, it's ironic considering the fact that the, the whole pandemic began in China. Yeah, and concerning um, as well. In the meantime, I, as I understand it, Moderna, or is it the Pfizer, I'm not certain, which is actually selling... Uh, units of the vaccine uh, to foreign governments if they want to buy it at a good price. So, uh, you know, that's a positive, you know, because again, we need to do whatever we can to con- curb uh, the spread of the, of the uh, virus. Right. Worldwide. There was bad news literally right before we got on the air that Merck, which was developing of two different vaccines, has stopped development because they basically failed in uh, initial trials. Wow. What so do, that's bad news. What do we know about Johnson & Johnson? I don't know. There's, there's, there keeps on being rumors that they're going to finish their phase three trials any day now, but mm-hmm. any day keeps on coming and going, and we're now almost finished with January. Yeah, I heard they're targeting so March. We, you know, we, we better have some more people come online because even if there's enough um, vaccines to eventually all of the United States, the reality is if we want to put COVID behind us, we need to be able to make sure there are enough vaccines for the world. Because one, you know, you can't the United States may be vaccinated, but then if someone brings in from overseas and remember these vaccinations are never 100% create mutations. You know, the way you get rid of it is getting rid of it. Yeah. So Interesting, Mark. I, before I just... Let, this way, I'm less optimistic this week than I was last week. Interesting. So well, b- before I let you go... Despite the fact that I've been, you know, I'm fully vaccinated. I understand. And uh, you had no negative results or no after effects? No negative results. My arm hurt hurt briefly like you do when you get a shot Yep. yep. for less than 24 hours, but that was it. Um, my whole family has been vaccinated. None of them have had anything other than the arms hurting. So. Before I let you go, I'm, I've been... I tr- one person whose wife got a little sick for one day. Yeah, I have a friend who who had a mini stroke three days afterwards, and of course, Hank Aaron died two weeks after uh, taking... Now, it, we, there's no evidence that it's causal, but uh, to listen to the uh, public health officials deny that there could be any kind of relationship whatsoever is kind of amusing, to be quite frankly. Right, So, you get, but you have these two problems. On one hand, you don't want to create panic. You do realize the fact that, especially when you're giving primarily to older people the vaccine, older people do get other things as well. Yeah, and in Norway, they so, actually uh, are concerned about giving the vaccine to older people because it's having a, some sort of poor effect on, you know, of course they have fragile health anyhow. Right. Um, so, yeah, but on the other hand, these are the people that will die if they get the disease. Yeah. So interesting, Mark. Yeah, great, yeah, great discussion. Uh, yeah, and, and again, uh, we didn't. I wanted to talk to you about what's going on in Mexico because <laughs> it's kind of an intriguing discussion. But nevertheless, we'll catch up on that next week, Mark. Again, I just genuinely appreciate unless, you. Julie. Unless the rest of the news comes in first. That's that's right. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a great week, Bob. You, you as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006 and I now have full range of motion in both knees and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here about that commercial about advertising. I do want to do a shout out to Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They do a great job and are big supporters of uh, St. Matthew's House. So uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we'll visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Larry, tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay, we're a privately funded educational organization, and our focus is on high school and college students. We try to educate and inspire them in ideas of private property, free markets, small government, and personal character. We do that through the website, which is fee.org, in-person events around the country and sometimes abroad, uh, videos and books and lots of things you can find on the website. You know, when I was uh, in college and high school age, I wish I had been exposed to the Foundation for Economic Education. Of course, it was in existence at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Point being is yes. it can have such a positive impact on young people just to be able to expose to this kind of information that they don't get in public schools. So I want to encourage our listeners, if you have somebody of that age in your life, help them understand. Visit fee.org, fee.org. Did I get it right, Larry? Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> okay, great. Hey, you write a gro- great piece about Biden versus Coolidge and a great comparison. <clears throat> Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. I actually wrote this uh, a couple of days before Biden's inaugural right. uh, on January 20, uh, anticipating what he might say, but of course not knowing the details for sure. But I did know what Calvin Coolidge had to say in his inaugural address in March of 1925. And it was a spectacular address. Uh, It wasn't the longest in our history, nor was it the shortest. It was right about the right length. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, he had some great things to say that we did not hear uh, in any respect uh, from Joe Biden. Uh, Calvin Coolidge was a firm believer in human nature as we understood it, in the importance of history uh, and the vitality of the Constitution, Uh, He didn't come out of the gate promising gigantic grand plans to transform society. Uh, He felt that it was his job to uphold the Constitution and not stretch it or rewrite it or or junk it altogether. And he understood the importance of remembering what it is that made America great in the first place. Mm -hmm. So he spent some time talking about the importance of respect for the Constitution, respect for the highest authority, and by that he didn't mean a congressional committee. 
and respect uh, for the individual and the rights that uh, we have for individuals here in America. And he was not a big tax guy. He wanted to, He was concerned about the welfare of private property and, and understanding that money didn't belong to the government, taxes and so forth. It actually belonged, it was extracted from the public and it had to be used wisely. That's right. He made that very plain. He said that Americans are opposed to waste. They know that extravagance lengthens the hours and diminishes the rewards of their labor. And he went on to say that the most important principle within government is to use the money that belongs to taxpayers as wisely as possible. And that didn't mean to come up with trillion-dollar plans to spend more of it. Yeah, and it's so refreshing to hear that kind of a language, and, and we don't hear that anymore. We, we do understand that uh, President Biden wants to increase our taxes, raise our taxes, but it's got nothing to do with paying down the debt. It's got, for example, a Buttigieg our new uh, uh, transportation secretary wants to have a new tax based on the number of miles that we drive. All of this, of course, it could be to expand government services or problems or barriers, and it's certainly not going to be to reduce the debt. No. Uh, in fact, you can be assured that uh, under the Biden administration, we're going to get more of uh, both debt and taxes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not as always going to raise taxes so we can reduce the debt. We're going to get more taxes, and uh, on top of it, we'll get even more debt. So why they think that this is some kind of magical path to prosperity is, is beyond me. Yeah, I'm just watching the first few days of, uh, of these, uh, this presidency, and uh, he's writing and sending out executive orders like there's no tomorrow, uh, with little regard to the impact that it seems to be having on our society and on, on uh, the welfare of the country, uh, you know, this whole, this whole uh, thing about not producing oil on, on government lands and, you know, talking about and the pipeline eliminating, you know, up to 40,000, 50,000 jobs. Uh, it could kill a million jobs, actually, when you think about the long-term effects. Yeah, just imagine one man in the United States of America, one man uh, just off the top of his head decides to kill a pipeline project that's already been approved it involves a friendly neighbor to the north, mm -hmm. and 50,000 people lose their jobs, and he moves on to the next order uh, because it's, it's no skin off his nose. Exactly. Well, it is actually uh, supporting, I'm sure, people that are providing him the money for his election. It's supporting the, it's those constituents. Those constituents, by the way, don't seem to be the American people. It's a very... No, most of that oil now is, instead of coming to America is going to go to China, and we know uh, how much in hock the Biden family is uh, in uh, to China. Yeah, well said. Well, so I'm going to ask you a difficult question. Did you listen to Biden's inaugural, and if you didn't listen to it, did you read it? What were your thoughts? <laughs> I started to watch a little bit of it, and I thought, you know, this is more left-wing boilerplate. And uh, if I thought you could actually believe what he said, I would have listened to it. But right. I know what's going to happen. It would be just like Obama, all this happy talk. and then, uh, But later on, he's going to do what he wants to do, irrespective of what he told us on January 20. Yeah. I'm not even, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I wonder if he understands the impact of his actions on the American economy. I mean, I, I said. No, and he doesn't care either. No, that's exactly right. Well, I didn't listen to it, but I did watch him deliver it. And quite frankly, he looked like an angry old man with, yeah. <laughs> with a lot of venom. In fact, he didn't smile. He was just had this kind of wrinkled, angry look on his face the entire speech. So, uh, about this whole notion of unity and bringing America together, I don't think that's really on his mind. No, his constituencies uh, that are closest to him, that he's trying to curry favor with, they won't let him uh, unify the nation, even if he wanted to. And it's, a, it's a sad commentary indeed. So, uh, you know, I guess we're going to have to slog through the next uh, four years. because. And, and what's interesting to me also is, is that he's not making comments about these executive orders. He's not justifying them to the American people. He simply doesn't care what we think about it. So, you know, like it and shut up is kind of his attitude yeah. towards the American people. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, been anointed uh, the new president, and so, uh, you know, he doesn't feel like Calvin Coolidge did that, this is a stewardship job. He believes this is, uh, uh, you know, sort of like uh, the guy on the top who knows everything uh, kind of job. And there, there aren't constituencies to be served. 
among the general public, but rather uh, corners of his own party that he has to please. Yeah, so well said. Again, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Fee.org is the website, F-E-E.org. Larry, always appreciate your very well-informed comment. Oh, and I want to mention, too, this column appears on the website, so uh, take a look at it. It's very interesting. Uh, Calvin uh, Coolidge versus Biden. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. Jim is former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. And after he retired, he wrote a couple of novels, and they are terrific. I grew up in Washington, D.C., so I really enjoyed the novels that he wrote. It's about being in Washington. They're murder mysteries. Great reads. The first is uh, Follow the Leader, and the second is Shake the Money Tree. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website NADC. Kids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And Love Letters is playing right now. Uh, visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Jim McTagg former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and great author, Murder Mysteries, that he's written of Shake the Money Tree. It, uh, the, the previous book was Follow the Leader. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, uh, Bob. I've been sitting here this morning stewing about the uh, idiocy of the liberal-leaning press. Um, you know, not one major news organization as a reporter assigned to stand outside Mar-a-Lago and uh, follow the post-Trump administration. They, they seem to think that if they ignore the former president, he'll vanish from the face of the earth, which is so silly because he has so many supporters, he has so much money, and he's talking about starting a third party, which could be a potent political force. It's a huge story. Yeah. Uh, as you, as you and your listeners know, I'm no Trump fan, but I am a fan of the Fourth Estate and news coverage. And this is a big story that deserves adequate coverage. Well, I think Trump is in part responsible for that because I think he's being somewhat coy. He's playing golf. He's uh, not. He's uh, saying, well, we're going to do something sometime. I don't think, quite frankly, that the starting a new party is on the horizon. Uh, I think, in fact, what he can do is start the party within the Republican Party and have major influence in terms of who might get elected to in the uh, uh, 2022 election cycle because he's got, what, I think $70 million, if I'm not mistaken, to, uh, to invest in that cycle. So uh, do you think, in fact, he will start this Patriot Party? Yeah. Uh, personally, I think he will hmm. um, because uh, the Republican Party is rudderless. It really doesn't have a, uh, a platform. You know, I, I was thinking again today, I was looking at the election results. I mean, we associate uh, Trump with violence now because of what happened on Capitol Hill. You know, the supporters going to the Congress and, and trying to disrupt Congress. Uh, but I, I think one of the, the biggest stories I saw during the election was in the uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania newspaper. Uh, the Amish, who are probably the gentlest 
people in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, they're thoroughly opposed to violence. They're pacifists. Uh, uh, they, they went en masse for Trump. And it, it, you know, you think about it. If you're a person like you and me who cherishes family values, you know, who, who cherishes the traditional family and thinks, you know, wishes that this country would do more to promote the traditional family, uh, the Democrats and the Republican parties are not the, the parties you're going to go to uh, right now because they're, uh, both of them are too liberal. Well, let me Trump, tell you, Jim, if I, if I might. Was, uh, I, I'm sorry, Trump was the outlet for, for those people. Absolutely. I, in fact, I was an MC for a rally that he had before he was elected here in Collier County. And, uh, you know, the, I will tell you, these people are not angry. They're happy. They're just really pleased that Trump is there to, to support them. A lot of love in that crowd. And the anger that I see is on the left. Now, I know they're trying to portray Trump as creating violence, but there's nothing further from the truth. It's if you take a look at Antifa, what's happening in Portland, you listen to the rhetoric on the left and what they'd like to see uh, Trump happen to Trump and others and liberal, you know, and uh, the cult- cancel culture, get rid of the uh, conservatives as uh, domestic violent, uh, extremists. <laughs> it's, they have it all on backwards, and, and that's what they're trying to push. Well, I do think he incited the the nutcases in the crowd uh, when, during the, uh, the Capitol riots. I don't know if that was his intention. I don't know if he realized that they would actually react that way. I tend to doubt it. Yeah. Because I talked to police uh, who were on the street outside the White House who tell me that at the beginning of the march it was a festival. It was uh, like a happy crowd. And, and of course it is. Nasty and ugly at the Capitol. It took everybody by surprise. Well, so, I, I think it was, uh, I think, quite frankly, in my opinion, uh, I think it was planned uh, before the fact. And I think it was uh, uh, people getting in Trump garb, but being Antifa, Antifa types and so forth. I'm, I'm not saying that with some. Trump followers didn't support or follow it. Some may have, but it was all planned and orchestrated beforehand, in my opinion. And that's why the Department of Justice wants to drop the case. Uh, see, I think there are nutcases in both parties. Of course. Uh, people who, who, uh, whose intellect limits their uh, ability to uh, argue a point, and, yep. and they try to settle everything with a shooting iron. Uh, but that's human nature. Um, and I do think Trump... Uh, maybe inadvertently incited them to riot that day. I mean, yeah. that remains to be determined. But, hey, so so what's but, what's going on? You still have the troops there in town. I mean, it's the twenty five thousand troops were sent to the garage. <laughs> what what is yeah, going I, on? Well, this is government in action. I mean, um, you know, the, the the government, as Reagan said, uh, you know, is the problem, not the answer. I mean, the bureaucracy. That was a bureaucratic uh, foul-up, uh, just like this vaccine distribution is a bureaucratic foul-up. It's not just in this country. Uh, it's in every country in the world, and uh, Biden is not going to ma- wave a magic wand, and suddenly we're all going to get needles in the bicep. Um, so, you know, a small government uh, private sector solution is still – private sector solutions are still the best solutions. Always. Um, uh, but back to my point, Trump will remain a major force in American politics. It's, mm-hmm. it's obvious, and the news media is pretending that if they ignore him, he'll disappear, mm-hmm. and it's not going to happen. So uh, back to the troops, though. Are the troops in town because they plan on trying to impeach Trump or have that impeachment trial, and uh, they want to make sure that there's protection of the Capitol when that happens? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, the liberals here have gone—I mean, the—, the Liberals here have gone uh, in full fright mode. I think they can have an impeachment uh, trial, and there's not going to be a massive assault on the Capitol. Uh, I don't think the impeachment will go anywhere. Uh, there's an op-ed in the Washington Post, a left-leaning paper in today's Post, that argues that impeachment is unconstitutional. You can only impeach somebody who is in office. You can't impeach somebody out of office. Uh, so if the Congress goes ahead with the impeachment trial in the Senate, uh, there are going to be legal challenges for years to come. So it's a, it's a exercise in futility. Yeah. So uh, right. But the other part to it is, I would kind of 
invite, I'd like to see the impeachment because they're going to have to try him, and he gives him an opportunity to present all the evidence of why, you know, of uh, why the, the uh, election was stolen. And if nobody's, you know, all, they've, all the courts have just processed this on process crimes as opposed to uh, taking a look at the content of his claims. So uh, in a way, there's a part of me, of course, I'm not sure he would get a fair trial. I'm not sure he would, uh, his uh, lawyers would have an opportunity to present their case, but irrespective, I think there needs to be a venue someplace, somehow, for the evidence to be presented to the American people. Well, impeachment, again, it plays into the hands of Trump. He's, a, he's one of the greatest showmen in American history. Absolutely. Uh, you shine a spotlight on, on Trump, and he's going to hijack the trial. And, <laughs> well and said. He, he's going to win the public relations battle. So, uh, you know, this is why I'm so amused at, at what's going on in Washington right now. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if two weeks from now uh, the Democrats lose a lot of their ardor. So where what is what's happening with the troops? Why, you know, in fact, uh, DeSantis, our governor, brought the troops home. He says we're not going to let you know have these people go through what we're putting them through up there. So he bring he brought them home. Why? What's going on? Well, part of it is uh, part of it is a logical fear uh, that the uh, you know the Proud Boys and the Oath Takers are going to return on Moss. You know, it's not going to happen. Uh, part of it is political theater. You yeah. know, the uh, Democrats trying to portray the Republican as, uh, you know, uh, brown shirts ready to burn down the Reichstag. So, so you know, it's that symbolism. So they're, they're actually, you know, in my opinion, I think they're using the troops as a as a prop. Yeah. And um, you know, nothing nothing will materialize in the Capitol uh, like that again. Uh, well, let me, let me ask you. Because let me ask you. You don't have Trump in office to tell people to come to Washington. Yeah, so uh, it's so interesting. Uh, first of all, I'll just speak as a Trump supporter. I don't think that that the press not paying attention to him is diminishing his impact and power whatsoever. And when he decides to speak, he'll have outlets like Gab and other places that he'll get the word out. He doesn't. He never used the the mainstream media in the first place. So, uh, it, but it's kind of interesting your point that you're making. Just with the little time we have left, how do you assess the first few days of the Biden presidency? A big disappointment because he he waded right into the uh, culture wars. Um, yeah, you know he said he was going to bring us all together, and so you know the first thing he does is uh, uh, liberalizes abortion. Um, you know he's allowing transgender troops. He's I mean he's playing to every social fringe group on the left you know, catering to them. And he really hasn't sat down and, and, and said, you know, what's a balanced approach uh, that can bring both sides together at some sort of a middle. Yeah. I mean, he talks about it, uh, but you look what he does, and he's alienating uh, yeah, Republicans. Uh, you know, I voted for him, and I'm disgusted with him already because yeah. – uh, I don't um, think you're alone, Jim. I think I, I want a middle road. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm sure you're not alone. I'm sure there are a lot of people that have buyer's remorse right now watching the, what's going on. I mean, the, within the first hour, uh, the 1776 project was taken out of the, the presidential website, uh, which is, you know, uh, we, it's all about identity politics. It's all about the divide. It's, uh, it's just very sad indeed. I miss President Trump. Jim, <laughs> I genuinely appreciate it. I don't miss him, but I think we should cover him. Absolutely. Jim, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, providing news and commentary based on individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed uh, the effort today. I learned a lot. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can send me a comment at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. We'll find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Linda Harden, my wife, will be with us. Uh, she writes uh, up-to-the-minute snippets and uh, greetings from Paradise. We'll find out what's on her mind as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>